Hello, and welcome to the podcast that gets you through the night, Legends of Philadelphia. We're your hosts. I'm Tony, working class hero, Trove. <laughs> and this is my schoolyard chum, Johnny Nowhere Man Zito. Joining us in engineering du- duties is Brian, beautiful boy Beerman. Oh, I, was, I was expecting Brian, I'm a loser, Beerman. I'm a loser. <laughs> Brian, babies in black, Beerman. <laughs> you may be wondering, didn't these guys just do a Beatles episode? Well, in addition to being Philadelphia natives, Zito and I have a lifestyle brand, South Fellini, that focuses on Philly culture and in-jokes and comfort and podcast and the Beatles. <laughs> Lots of times customers will ask us, why do we hide our long hots away? Or they want to know if they can imagine if there's no hoagies. Oh, no. <laughs> it's easy if you try. So we decided to start a podcast for a, as an easy explainer for the new Philadelphians and a refresher for the old heads. The city fascinates and excites us, so we're hoping to share that with you. A world without hoagies, that's a, that's a nightmare. That's <laughs> not good. That's not a utopia. It's, a, it's in a minor key, that one. <laughs> that one's a sad song, right? <laughs> sad tune. <laughs> That's I the have sad a couple things. Number, you have a couple what? I have a couple things. Number one, we, what, what, we don't have no snacks this week now. Uh, now I expect snacks every week. I'm we sorry. Last week. I'm sorry. We'll get some. Oh, we s- had them, but it means, means you don't eat them before you. What ate. was it? We ate all the rations. <laughs> It was. What does that mean? You you wouldn't like it. <laughs> it was yeah. It was Indian food. I like Indian food. Oh oh I'm oh sorry. sorry. I saved My bad. Um. Also, so yeah, we did a episode a while back on the Beatles in Philly and Jersey, and today we're doing John Lennon in Philly. Yeah, different artist. But the week after we did the Beatles one, I read on the Beatles episode. I read some Beatles in Philly puns song titles and i was like i can do better than that so i came up with like a bunch more so and we're pretty uh, much in this whole episode pretty much around this yeah that's why the, your, said your, he had your, more your, puns uh, and so we, your, we decided your, to do a beatles your list of beatles philly puns this is slowly turning into a beatles podcast and then um my buddy tom reamer who listens has a bunch uh so the the this is some get back door dickhead <laughs> Your Nona should know. <laughs> she came in through the bathroom window. <laughs> All you need is love park. I mean, that's, that, was, that one writes itself. That was a good one. Yeah. Wiz, we had a little help from my friend. Wiz, <laughs> Mean Mr. Deli Mustard. I don't get that one. Hey, Young Bulldog. That's a good one. <laughs> Reaching back. I don't know how. I don't know how we didn't do this one. Norwegian Water. <laughs> <laughs> a tasty, a tasty cake of honey. Mm-hmm. You never give me your crimpets. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got something to hide except for me and my mom. Mom. That Trove. Do you want to read Joanna's? Because that one was too good to to not do. What? I I wrote it down. Do you want me to read what it? What was it? 
I've just seen a fuck face. I'm just <laughs> 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 uh, oh, that that one. Saving yeah. the best for last. <laughs> she had her other one was you're gonna lose that squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, my buddy Tom Reamer, who listens, he sent a bunch in, and the last one is is the best one of all of them. So his the, his was yesterday. <laughs> Strawberry Mansion Forever. Obladi, Oblawawa. This was this is a uh, temple thing. Lucy in the Sky with Diamond Dollars. Diamond Dollars. That this is this is this this is the best one out of them. Sausage and Peppers Lonely Hearts Club oh, Band. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, that one's so good. Uh, that one's so t- good. Tell him to make a t-shirt. Tom, shout out to, uh, to Tom Reamer. <laughs> Tom Reamer, I'd buy that one. Sausage and Peppers. That is a good one. I have to honestly, your last round, not for nothing, it's going to change my world. Is, <laughs> I think I think that all the time. <laughs> Norwegian water is pretty good. It's that's really clever. Yeah, I, don't know. That, that's, it's, that's, it's, I don't know how it's, we. It's that's the way we say water as wood. I I I can't unhear it. I'll never unhear I, I it. I, 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 an a... explainer for the new Philadelphians. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> We forget that part. We just do a refresher for the old heads. <laughs> I'm here for those new Philadelphians. So yeah, if you have more, whatever, give us give us more. <laughs> but we basically did like a hun- hundred different ones. Hundred so. puns. Well, I guess this means we'll just have to do a third Beatles episode at some point. We'll have to fine. find a reason. All right, fine, we'll do it. For anyone who hasn't picked up on a theme today, we're doing we're revisiting the Beatles, specifically John Lennon. In May of 1975, after Lennon had launched his solo career, he took an Amtrak train from New York City to Philadelphia to promote his new album and raise money for the Helping Hands Marathon. Uh, it, was a, it was a radio and television marathon to uh, raise money for charity. Lennon's influence on music, politics, pop culture, and celebrity remained powerful as it was during the height of Beatlemania. And uh, for three wild days, he toured the city and exercised his popularity with multiple TV and radio appearances. Uh, join us as we take a trip through John Lennon's Philadelphia. What do you think he ate? Oh, I don't know. I, I had this question. He was he a terminal? Was he a vegetarian? He kind of strikes me as... Yeah, that's what I was... He strikes me as the kind of guy who might be a vegetarian and... you know, No, set, Paul's a vegetarian. Paul was the vegetarian? He's the opposite of whatever Paul is. So he, oh. only, he only ate steaks. <laughs> <laughs> and he killed the cows himself. Rare. <laughs> Rare. Very rare. Steak tartar for John Lennon. <laughs> <laughs> don't uh, fry it up. What? I mean, he had. Well, a, I don't know. Because, well, like, I don't, what do they eat in England? Do, is there anything English that lima is similar? Beans. Bangers and lima mash. Beans? Yeah, yeah. Ma- bangers. Where, where could you get bangers and mash in 1972? <laughs> uh, they'd give you a hot sausage and 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 some you know some some pasta on the side. That's as close as you're mm-hmm. gonna get. Tell you to go. Tell you tell your story walking. Yeah, here's some gnocchi. Get out of here. Here's, here's a bag of gnocchi. <laughs> it's, it's it's frozen. It's not even cooked. John Lennon was uh, no stranger to Philadelphia. In a previous episode, we talked about uh, how the Beatles had concerts at the Civic Center in 1964 and JFK Stadium in 1965. Uh, But uh, do you guys know anything about his his, uh, 1970s trips through the city? 
Well, I knew he was on the Mike Douglas show. We're going to talk about that. Uh, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Um, I know. Uh, I know. Uh, he did the weather, and uh, I know uh, when I feel like they were. You see John Lennon in Philadelphia. He looks like he dresses the way many Philadelphians dress this very day. <laughs> he looks like he belongs, doesn't he? He had a, he had a Carhartt beanie. Carhartt beanie. <laughs> Yo, yeah, I mentioned this to Hunter, who works at the store Thursdays to Sundays. Through Sundays, 12, 12 to 5. 5 for pickups. Um, uh, girls are wearing, like, giant pants now. Like, huge, like, wide like, like Jinkos. Big pants. Yeah, Jinkos they're, they're back. coming back. Like UFOs, dude. Hmm. They're coming back. I'm glad I saved mine. We got them. It's great. It's great. We got <laughs> it's time, Zito. Yeah, bring them back. Bringing them back. Yeah. Breaking them out. I just, and you know. bucket hats are coming back. Also. Yeah, I got all those Zito, too. Meet, meet me at the uh, storage unit. It's time. <laughs> the, the 90s storage unit or the 70s storage unit? <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the '90s does the '70s, baby. Uh, I I agree. I think John Lennon looks like he belongs here. The photos of John Lennon in Philadelphia. He uh, if you if you couldn't hear the accent, you'd think he lived here. He definitely he fits in. So in February 1972, John Lennon and Yoko Ono returned to the city of brotherly love and took over the Mike Le- Mike Douglas show for a full week. This is uh, they took over. They, they took didn't, it over. Mike Douglas didn't. He didn't want them there. He was took duct taped to his chair the whole time. <laughs> he had an apple in his mouth. They only took it out to feed him cigarettes to let him smoke. They feed him cigarettes. Feed him cigarettes. Feed yeah. him cigarettes. That's that's what he was Mike Douglas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, the Mike Douglas Show was an American daytime television talk show that was hosted by. Mike Douglas. It began as a local program in Cleveland before being carried on. They really lucked out with that. <laughs> Cleveland really got, yeah, they got a good one there. Uh, no, I mean, getting getting Mike Douglas for the Mike Douglas show. The, I mean, that was a that was a coup, <laughs> a real coup. When the Mike Douglas show hosted by Steve Martin. <laughs> Get this king tut out of my face. No, that's Steve Martin. <laughs> Yeah, so the Mike Douglas Show began as a local program in Cleveland before being carried on other stations owned by Westinghouse Broadcasting. Uh, the show went into national syndication and was moved to Philadelphia in 1965. That was when uh, Philadelphia was like a, uh, a, a TV production place for yeah, TV production. Yeah, it was, it was all happening here, baby. Yeah, this is all kind of tied up in NBC and CBS switching affiliates. Or uh, this happened a couple of times. Even once when we were kids, they they switched stations and part of like the oh yeah part of that they deal wife was, swapped. They swapped. Yeah, they swapped. They swapped. <laughs> wife swapped. Station swapped. Yeah. That's what they call it in the biz. That's what they call it in the biz. <laughs> but channel ten becomes channel three. <laughs> How'd you make it sound filthy? <laughs> well, channel three becomes channel ten. Whoa! It didn't it doesn't work out as well. So back in 1965, there was a similar arrangement, and NBC and CBS switched 
a bunch of programming stations and locations. And part of the deal was Mike Douglas uh, moving to Philadelphia. And uh, at first, Mike Douglas, the Mike Douglas Show was broadcast from a small 140-seat basement studio located at the KYW building on 1619 Walnut Street. Uh, it's a, a, a Art Deco-looking spot. It's still there. It's an office building now. Yo, if I get my old hard drive to open, I, I have pictures from inside of there. Well, uh, I think I I think you showed them to me. You have pictures of like the floor. Yeah, the floor is like a mosaic. Yeah, they had, like, it was like, a, like the logo of like the NBC or whatever. Wow. Um, is there is there ghosts? Yeah, John Lennon's ghost was there. Uh, I didn't have to be John Lennon's ghost. Just as, just a, any any ghost. It's weird that John Lennon would move back to Philadelphia to haunt. <laughs> you said he had a great time. We, just, we did two podcast episodes on it. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that's how much he loved Philadelphia. Um, so in July 1972, uh, the show, the, the Mike Douglas Show, moved to a new studio in the newly constructed KYW TV studios at 5th and Market Street in Center City, Philadelphia. So uh, that's where John and Yoko uh, came to um, uh, in 1972. They came to the fresh new studios on 5th and Market. It's wild to think of Yoko being, being in Philadelphia, too. What did she... Yeah, what did, what did Yoko get? She had a plum... Floating in perfume, served in a man's bowl hat. <laughs> uh, like the no, Simpsons. Yoko probably ate from like a vendor on the street because she. Uh, I'm telling extra you, extra sauerkraut. Yeah, yeah, extra extra kraut. Give me the extra. Give me the red onions. She heard about the That's pretzel vendors impression. and she went up to Aramingo Avenue to to get the best one. <laughs> give me the pretzels. <laughs> Make sure you wash your hands with coffee first. She's a snob like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's how all the ritziest people eat in Philadelphia. That's, that's how they eat. That's how, it's like the Wideners. <laughs> the Paleys. That's how they eat. The Paleys. <laughs> in the Crystal Ballroom at the Wanamaker Building. The Crystal Ballroom. <laughs> they have pretzels served by the dirtiest hands. <laughs> Tune in next week on Legends of Philadelphia for more. The week John and Yoko hosted the Mike Douglas show was filled with uh, unusual guests, including Ralph Nader, Jerry Rubin, and Surgeon General Ralph Dr. Nader. Jesse Steinfeld. Yeah. George Carlin was on there, too. Nice. George Carlin? Yeah. Wow. Ralph Nader was like a uh, consumer... Um. Uh, what do you call it? He fought for consumer protection, consumer advocate. Yeah, yeah at the time, I think he's the guy he who who exposed the the Pinto as a fire trap. Oh right, I think that's right. his claim. And most people know him from the 2000 election when he helped George Bush get elected accidentally. <laughs> <laughs> Bring back the Pinto. <laughs> Pinto got a bad rap. Yeah, it turns out Ralph Nader was the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. It was just trying his hardest. Jerry Rubin was, uh, he ran with like Abby Hoffman and those kind of people. Yeah. Oh, like a prankster type. Yeah, they also had... Um, Chicago 7. They also had the uh, members of the Black Panthers on there. Uh, like I said, George Carlin. Um, and they were very combative. I don't know if you guys have ever watched clips, but I made sure to watch um, an episode and a highlight reel before we, we met up today. 
and mm -hmm. John and Yoko are like very combative with the people on the show. They're like asking tough questions. I don't know if that's their, if that was what they were going for, but they're like smoking mm. the whole time. They're just like chain smoking the whole time. And they are like really grilling the Surgeon General. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they, uh, yes, I did. I did. I, I watched it like a while ago. I didn't watch it recently, but I guess I kind of expect them to just let the people talk and they're kind of getting people's faces. Yeah, they did. They get in each other's face. Like at one point, Mike <laughs> Douglas is like, how did you guys meet? How did you guys fall in love? And then and John's answering all the questions. And then John's like, uh, Yoko's like, what is it that you like about John? And John's like, well, I think she likes my boyhood, my, my English boy charm. <laughs> and he just like, he's very, he's funny and charming, but he's like, he's, they're very combative. I don't know how else to describe it. And uh, hmm. the chain smoking puts me on edge as as a person watching it. You know, like you're used to confrontation from reality TV, so like that doesn't make me sweat so much. But watching them smoke and do it, I was it was a whole other level of intensity. <laughs> Dude, back then, yeah, was, cigarettes were were on were uh, one of the seven food groups back then. <laughs> Bring back smoking on TV. People don't know, but we're we're all smoking cigarettes right now. We're it's, smoking it's, cigarettes we can barely right see now. each other over the Zoom call. Yeah, I can't uh, over see the, over the I, have a, I have one of those filters. <laughs> Corella <laughs> Deville filter. <laughs> That's why we're in each other's faces. <laughs> Drove and I are smoking Virginia Slims because they're extra long. <laughs> they they're longer, so they last longer. They last longer. You get more smoke out of them. Yeah. yeah, more bang for your buck. Chesterfields for me. Chesterfields for Beerman. <laughs> I had to buy them on eBay. I don't even like vintage cigarettes. <laughs> you're such a, you're such a snob. Yeah. Come, yep. That's how Yoko smokes. Yeah. All her cigarettes were vintage. Vintage. <laughs> uh, it's cool that he could like John Lennon could just get whoever on the show, and then it's like. He pro everybody probably he reached out to probably said yeah. I imagine not even knowing what they were getting themselves into. You know, yeah. I read some uh, I, I soupy sales turned them down. Soupy sales. <laughs> he was like, hell no. <laughs> not getting mixed up with that crazy hippie. <laughs> I read a post somebody made on on a on in the comments of an article about the Beatles. I was doing so much Googling for this episode. I had to do a lot of research to piece this one together from uh, mostly from YouTube videos, but I found uh, a, a comment someone left where they said that uh, when it, after the first episode aired, it was easy to get in. She went all five days and it was easy to get in on the first day because people weren't really aware that John Lennon was coming and that he was going to be hosting and that he was going to be there for a whole week. So the first day she got there and she got right in. But every other day she had to wait and stand by because after the first episode aired, they were like, people were like aware that John Lennon was there. So they all went down and they were hanging outside and everyone was trying to get in at that point. And then I guess yeah. John Lennon saw the response and he started doing things with the crowd where he had a big canvas flag that he passed around to everybody to sign. I didn't say whether or not it was an American flag. It just said a flag. So it could have been anything. And, uh, he passed it around and all the audiences from all five days, uh, or at least four of the days signed it. And uh, uh, then they auctioned it off for charity afterwards. That's cool. Yeah. I wonder where it ended up. I tried to find. There's a bunch of things we'll talk about in this episode, I feel like, and I could not find who has them. I, I you know, the best you can do really is. Like they're around. Something's yeah. or something. 
things were created, huh? Yeah. Mike Douglas was effectively the co-host of the show that week, and uh, John and Yoko uh, steered the ship. Uh, the most memorable, he called it, quote, probably the most memorable week I did in my 20-something years on air, end quote. So When uh, when uh, Yoko did that prop comedy, that was hilarious. <laughs> she smashed that watermelon, got the whole she front row wet. Everybody was so covered in, in watermelon <laughs> seeds. That, that's art. People were spitting seeds for weeks. <laughs> yeah, they didn't, a lot of people didn't get it at the time. They didn't know what they were experiencing. Way ahead of the curve. Way ahead. <laughs> uh, the musical highlight of the week, however, was an appearance by one of John Lennon's biggest heroes, Chuck Berry. So this I've seen. This is a famous uh, clip. Uh, Berry and Lennon uh, performed uh, Berry's Johnny Be Good and Memphis, Tennessee together uh, with Lennon's average in every possible way. Uh, 1972 backing band Elephant Memory. Damn. Wow, Zito. Wow. Now who loves the Beatles? <laughs> I just mean to say yeah, there's right. like it's the aesthetic, so this is different. You can get you yeah. Can I don't like them. I don't I don't like Elephant's Memory's pants, so <laughs> they stink. Damn. Zito Where's your Beatles. Peter Max cartoon Elephant Memory? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, interesting. He performs, which I know there's the whole thing about. Yoko, but I think what's interesting about it is that Chuck Berry sued John Lennon, and yeah, a couple of years later, and John made that record, uh, that rock, that rock and roll record, and gave that's right the gave the money made off of it to Chuck Berry <laughs> for uh, for um, taking his lyrics. Oh wow! Them. Yeah, c- come together, yeah, um, come together. That's like. Uh, you come on, flat top. You come. That's from a Chuck Berry song. Oh. And years later, he sued, and so, so instead of paying money, he was just like, "Well, I'll just do this album called Rock and Roll of just a bunch of old covers, and that way, you know, just you know, give the royalties to him as part of the lawsuit. Probably make more money that way than some kind of out of court settlement. That was a deal they got. Yeah. Because then he gets the he gets the in perpetuity. People will be buying that album. I mean, presumably in the seventies, they imagine people will be buying this album forever. And so I think it was effortless for John Lennon to just like walk into a studio and just sing a bunch of his favorite rock and roll songs. Yeah, yeah, right. These are probably that's how he learned how to play guitar. The on those just was like, like, oh, how songs. about I'll just give you the money I make off of just singing this for one day? Yeah, uh, I would like to read more about that. Actually, drove. I didn't know that story at all. That's yeah. really interesting. And le- and John Lennon's last TV performance or like last performance uh, is like doing a bunch of these songs, and he's like wears like all red leather, and he has like a band with like wearing masks. It's real strange. And they like they're promoting this. Oh wow! Yeah. Wow, I'll have to look that up. No, I don't know anything about that. We- weird John Lennon stuff. Yeah, check it out. Uh, well, this performance is, on uh, Mike Douglas is memorable because uh, Yoko, who is known for screaming into the microphone for reasons that are not Im- immediately obvious, uh, often oh, taking damn. Other... <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I taking so, did, going did, too hard? Did, did you start writing for Pitchfork that we didn't know about? Because <laughs> yeah, this is fucking. Know, we love Yoko around here. You got to knock it off. This is like, this is harsh, dude. Are you, are you a music blogger now? I'm giving my opinions, man. Um, all right, all right. I'm, I'm bringing. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little opinionated. I guess I don't. I guess I don't like the aesthetic of '70s Beatles. I guess I'm not as into this. <laughs> <laughs> I am everything you said I was. I'm sorry, guys. 
I see it now. I get it. I guess I had to I see the it. flip I side of my... the coin. I had to look from the other side of the mirror to truly Zito understand. saw himself in the in the mirror and was like, what have I become? Oof. All right. I'll try and be nicer. Um, I'm going to have to do a lot of editing on the fly then. Uh, so Yoko, who has an otherwise decent voice, uh, she was taking it to unexpected places and... Uh, her appearance with Barry and Lennon was no expectation. It's definitely weird. It doesn't fit Chuck Berry. It doesn't fit Johnny B. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and she was not shy about adding it to the mix. Um, yeah. You yeah. can see her in the background kind of, <laughs> uh, let's call it crooning, and, uh, and, and Barry's exasperated facial expression during Memphis, Tennessee, <laughs> when Ono starts her thing, is like, it's visibly uncomfortable, yeah. Uh, that's why he sued. <laughs> that's why he sued. Shut up. Maybe, maybe he felt it. Maybe he felt he was a, he was being made a fool. Yoko's got some good songs. <laughs> <laughs> Yoko was like, "I'll also record a cover of your songs, and you can keep the royalties." And Chuck Berry was like, "No thanks." Y- Yoko's uh, other husband. <laughs> uh, Yoko was was married to like a like, a, like an avant garde music composer before before John. or after John Lennon. Before, before, yeah, she was definitely like. In the scene, she probably was like, the hell is this? Yeah. You think she didn't like Johnny Be Good? No, she, she probably was like, this is fucking... Uh, this, is, this isn't John this Cage. Is nonsense. She's like, what is this, a rhythm? This, what is this? She was like... A melody? Like this is like, terrible. Think, think, wow, wow. <laughs> where's, the, where's the unsyncopated rhythms? <laughs> yeah, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> Well, that might be why years later John would return to Philadelphia <laughs> without Yoko at the behest of his friend and fine, local fine. news anchor Larry Kane. <laughs> and we talked a little bit about Larry Kane becoming friends with the Beatles um, in the the last episode. And it's and we it's weird because he's so square. Yes. Yeah, he's yeah. That yes. they would like him. Uh yeah. Larry and John had met in 1964 when Kane interviewed the Beatles on the road. Uh, Lennon made fun of Kane for being a square, uh, but Kane gave it as good as he got, and after teasing the Beatles about their hair, uh, they all became fast friends. So I guess, you know, when they saw he could hang and, and talk shit, they were like, all right, you're not so bad. And uh, Kane traveled with the Beatles and covered their performances during the height of their popularity. So uh, he was around for a while and became friends with all of them. Mm. This familiar face. Yeah, I guess, you know, as the years go on and you get more famous, you have you rely on the people you've known the longest because uh, you don't know who else you can trust. You know, if this guy's been around this long and he hasn't misquoted me and he hasn't screwed me, then I can I can yeah. hear him out. I can work with him. Yeah. Not like Terry Gross. Not like Terry Gross. Not like Terry. <laughs> Always with an agenda. Hatchet job. <laughs> if we call her out enough, she's going to have to come on. Is she gonna have to talk about us? You know, I heard she got her name from from uh, Double Dare. I I, I heard that. So on May 16th, 1975, John Lennon stepped off the train at 30th Street Station in Philadelphia and gave his old friend uh, Larry Kane a big hug. Uh, Larry King was a journalist in Philadelphia at the time, and uh, he was working for ABC as the anchor. Weeks earlier, Philadelphia's number one music station, WFIL Radio, began planning their annual Helping Hands Marathon, 
uh, WFIL was like the radio station for ABC. And uh, a three-day event was organized to raise money for charitable organizations in the Philadelphia area. So they had this charity event going on, and Larry Kane, who again was working at Channel 6 at the time, was like, oh, I'll invite my old friend, former Beatle, John Lennon, uh, whose participation he knew would generate maximum publicity for the event. Oh, yeah. You think he's calling that favor? Well, I think Kane saw it as a uh, mutually beneficial situation because uh, the event was an opportunity to help Lennon, who, uh, along with being estranged from Yoko Ono at the time, was struggling with uh, the intense celebrity that came with being a former Beatle. He was having a hard time in New York, just you know, trying to live a life. He hadn't perform. He had stopped performing uh, a month or two before this, and uh, just to give himself a chance to rest. And at the time, uh, John was the target of the establishment. He was facing deportation charges that threatened to remove him from the United States and uh, his family in New York because of his activism. And also around this time, he was like a. Uh... Uh, I mean, maybe he was cleaning up, drying out at this point, but like he was like a hardcore alcoholic in L.A. and was hanging with with like Harry Nielsen, Harry Nielsen and punching waitresses in the face. Was this after that? Yeah, I think so. So I don't know if he was like he had that other he had like another he was like strange. Yeah, like May, May Pang. Right. Wow. I'm the talk, whole thing. This, wow. John Lennon, not just a. Not just a cute pair of glasses, huh? He's got a, he's got a whole thing going on. I was on, I was unaware. I'm glad we have a podcast that we can cover all the things Beatles. Yeah, you guys got all the dirt. You guys know the the, the TMZ <laughs> gossip about his life. I I didn't get into it. I'm glad you guys know it off off the cuff. I feel like people would be screaming at the podcast like he was also on the sauce if we didn't mention it. Next week, we're doing Ringo's movie career. <laughs> <laughs> Magic Christian. Caveman. Caveman. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's it. Th- th- um, Thomas the, the Train. Yeah, it's, uh, Thomas yeah. the Train. <laughs> That's what he's most well known for. Not the Beatles. There's a... We can cut this if it's not funny. Video when, I saw. When, on. when has that ever stopped us? <laughs> <laughs> There's a video I saw on Instagram of this father. He pulls up to, uh, he's got his kids in the car, and he pulls up to a mural, and uh, John Lennon is on the mural. It's a bunch of, like, famous musicians from the 20th century. And he's like, Mm -hmm. hey, kids, who's that? And his kids are like, I don't know, Harry Potter? (laughs) (laughs) And they're, like, teenagers. They're not, like, little, little kids. They're, like... Yeah, kids. They don't care. They don't care about this. You know. You take it for granted how 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 um how relevant this stuff was when we were kids and the Beatles were doing their re-release of things and all this information was coming out and here's a new song by John Lennon that was never released before, but uh you know it's been a it's been a minute since people since they had one of these Beatle documentaries. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess when we were kids, they they were all still alive and actually not actually that old. Yeah, and now I guess you know it's coming. It's being reissued, like with this documentary that got us talking about the Beatles in the first place. Uh, Get back, right? Mm-hmm. You watched it, right? Oh yeah, yep, absolutely. As long as you have no follow-up questions, I totally watched it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How about that? How about that part where they play Get so Back? Do they fi- so do they find the ring at the end, or they? <laughs> uh, they Paul threw it into Mount Doom, so. I'm pretty sure okay. he did watch the end. Yeah, everything was, it was fine. a twist. A twist. 
and we made it in the end. <laughs> it was weird that Pete Best played a golem, but <laughs> <laughs> I guess they were just trying to include him. Yeah, they were trying to throw him. They, 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 they threw a, throw a bone. Throw a bone. Golem? Golem? Anyway. So John came to town because he had been promised letters of support from Pennsylvania politicians if he agreed to do the Helping Hands Marathon. So this was, this was not just you know, about charity. Obviously it was, but he needed to do some PR for himself and getting the good graces of the government. Prove why it Grease was worth having. Grease, Grease some gears, as they say. Grease some of them wheels, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Shake some hands, kiss some babies, and show why it's worth mm-hmm. having a John Lennon around when you need him. Even though John had visited the city before, he'd actually seen very little of Philadelphia outside of his hotel rooms or the TV studios where he was being interviewed. Uh, so before taking him to the radio station, Larry showed John around town. Uh, they visited the Liberty Bell, the Betsy Ross House, and Independence Hall, all colonial mainstays. I guess he was rubbing it in, American Independence. Yeah, remember this? Remember this? <laughs> there it thing, is. The little thing called the Declaration of Independence, huh? <laughs> Do you think he thought like how I thought when I was a kid when I went to the Betsy Ross house and went, man, this fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if he was an alcoholic or a heroin addict at the time, I'm sure he was like, <coughs> get me out of here. <laughs> wow, this little, oh, that's her fireplace. Great. That's interesting. So interesting. Uh, no, he wants to get to the radio station so he can get high again. Larry Kane's like, how about all this history? <laughs> yeah, wh- where's Pierre? <laughs> where's Theater Mike with my drugs? Theater Mike, uh, forgot about him. <laughs> uh, so when they got to the station, the DJ Banana Joe was beside himself with excitement. Everybody Banana, remembers Banana Joe. Joe. Banana Joe. Hmm. Uh, they immediately announced the arrival to his arrival to listeners and put him on the air. John began by, began by answering the phones and taking pledges from locals. One former West Catholic alumni donated $11 for the 11 years of Beatles music that she enjoyed uh, so much while growing up. She encouraged her uh-huh. classmates from the 1967 graduating class to pony up as well. And John was delighted by this and responded, quote, tell those West Catholic girls to get off their knees and get to work, end quote. <laughs> uh, what a dick. <laughs> He was trying his best. He, uh, yeah. uh, I found a, a lot of, I, I, it's almost the whole marathon on YouTube. It's broken down into parts. I think it was six parts. I skimmed through it. Yeah. I caught some, some funny quotes and things. They, they even mm-hmm. have the music is, is part of it. The, 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 the music they played that day is part of the recording. Cool. So, uh, you get to hear John and Banana Joe talking over, uh, Kashmir and songs like that, that are, had just come out. <laughs> New hits. Yeah. There was a sophisticated operation in place to accept the tons of contributions coming from listeners. They were expecting a deluge of support because they had John Lennon, and a garage space was set up with desks, phones, and volunteers working nonstop to, uh, to take the pledges. John joined them on several occasions throughout the days to help boost morale. One woman offered up $500 if John would say that gay people were beautiful on air, which he did without hesitation but then added the caveat that he had also met a few uggos in his day. I'm not, I, no, uh, it's not a joke, really what he said. The, it was started out nice, and then... Uh, He's trying his best. <laughs> doing yeah. his best. 
I think he was just being cheeky. I mean, I think he, uh, he he's, uh, he's, he's going with the flow. This was a much less combative environment than the Mike Douglas show, and uh, he's just kind of riffing with Banana Joe the whole time. And being silly, he's and being, being like uh, like Angela Cotaldi. He's just like yes, like Angela, like like Howard Eskin. This is the beginning of of shock jock radio right here. John Lennon <laughs> John in Philadelphia. <laughs> Somewhere a young Howard Stern is like, I gotta do more like that. Yeah. I gotta be sassier. Yeah. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, cheekier, cheekier. Uh, later, when John got really into the spirit of things, he offered up his socks, the ones he was wearing on his feet that day, uh, to auction off to listeners. John's cotton booties were red, white, and blue with stars embroidered around the cuffs, and a young fan snatched them up for the bargain basement price of $50. It's a deal. Uh, try yes. as I might. It's yeah, it's a steal. It's a steal. Uh, try as I might, I could not find out who won the socks or where they might be today. I, uh, I went pretty deep on some, some message boards. I, I found some web <laughs> 1.0 uh, uh, sites dedicated to the you know Beatles appearances throughout the years, but lots of dead links, lots of dead ends. So it's really hard to it's find bummer, where this man. stuff ended up. Yeah. If you got the socks, let us know. Hit us up. If if you if smell? your grandma or smell? your mom is holding on to John Lennon socks, if they're framed in some kind of floating frame or something hanging over your <laughs> kitchen table, <laughs> oh, we want to know about it. We we send us mm-hmm. a pic. Um. There's a really funny picture of John Lennon holding up his socks, hanging out the, the garage door where the crowds are gathered. Uh, this was a bit they did on the radio, uh, you know, while he was uh, fooling around with the folks at the, uh, at the pledge desks. So, uh, mm. you know, it was a very lively event and uh, a lot of energy. Uh, it's a fun listen. Uh, it's a quick uh, search on YouTube if you're looking for it. Cool. The first day of the charity marathon was actually pretty low-key. Uh, without the internet or Twitter, John's appearance had to be spread by word of mouth before he got to the radio station himself. So it wasn't until the second day that mobs of fans showed up at the radio station hoping for their chance to meet the rock star. By all accounts, John hung outside the studio singing, signing autographs, and taking pictures for as long as he could. Uh, nice. So, you know, he was on the, on the air for a couple of hours, and then he would hang outside for a couple of hours promoting, telling people to pledge, getting donations, taking cash donations right there. You think he pocketed some of the money? Probably not. Skims <laughs> <laughs> him off the top, you know. Well, he did donate he his socks. I mean, twenty percent of that of that of, of the the sock auction at least belongs to him, you know. <laughs> That's to a point. Twenty percent. Uh, later that day, John was given a tour of the ABC studios by Larry Kane, who actually convinced the former Beatle to join the broadcast and promote the day, promote the last day of the charity fundraiser. Uh, John was not content to sit for another interview, however, and uh, instead John Lennon did the weather report. He uh, he wasn't very good at it, though. Uh, he <laughs> most weather people aren't. It's it's hard to it's it's hard to read off of a teleprompter and point at the at the blue screen at the same time. It's it requires yeah. a lot of coordination. Yeah, Valeris yeah. can do it. I guess John Lennon can do it. <laughs> John Lennon revolutionized the uh, meteorology uh, department uh, with his brief mm. appearance in 1975. After that, you got to have, you know, better looking uh, weather people, m- more personality, mm-hmm. more gimmicks. Nobody Charisma. wore a bow tie before Charisma. before John Lennon Moxie. wore a bow tie on on the weather report. That was his thing. He did that first. A young Hurricane Schwartz young was watching. <laughs> Inspired. <laughs> uh. 
John played it up for laughs. He bent the the pointer. You know, the the the, the weatherman used to use a, a little pointer, a little rod, like yeah. a, like a school teacher or whatever. And he bent the pointer. Uh, used a, by the regular meteorologist, and he reported the temperature for the next five days would be nine degrees. Uh, so he he was playing on the uh, Yoko Ono reference there, I guess, with number nine. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So White Album reference. Another mm-hmm. joke you get, Zito, as Beatle fan. Yeah. Well, if they made a joke about it on The Simpsons, then I definitely, I definitely. You get got it. that one. Then yeah. I got it. So I couldn't find um, I couldn't find any video of the actual weather report uh, that he did. But somebody had the foresight to bring a camera to set, um, uh, like a film camera, and recorded him in uh, from from backstage. So you can kind of see him hanging out, waiting to go on. And then it doesn't have sound, but you can see him doing the weather report with his with his bent pointer. And uh, then at the end of the at the end of the the news segment, uh, they have him sitting next to Larry Kane, uh, you know, with his arm around him, saying goodnight and uh, urging people to tune in and donate to the marathon. That's oh, pretty cool. neat. Yeah, um, that's also out there. I, I found that in a clip package about Larry Kane. Uh, I did not. I, I, I couldn't find that one while searching up, uh, searching for John Lennon. Fell must have been way, way at the bottom of the Google search, somewhere around page Google, I guess. Hmm. It's it's in the uh, the E in Google. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, before returning to his radio duties, John briefly sat with beloved children's TV host Captain Noah. Captain Noah was not very familiar with John Lennon or the Beatles. Uh, he knew who they were, but he he didn't have much frame of reference for their music. Not a fan. Uh, the Beatles, never heard of them. Not a fan. <laughs> never. Is that, are they friends with the crickets? <laughs> were you ever on Lawrence Welk? <laughs> Do you like bubble music? <laughs> Champagne music. <laughs> uh, John, who seemed delighted to be there, continually referenced Captain Noah as Captain Fred. Uh, Noah was a bit flustered at first because he repeatedly told John that his stage name was supposed to be Captain Noah. Uh, He's breaking kayfabe. Yeah. Afterwards, Captain Noah thought he might have offended John Lennon, uh, and that's why he refused, uh, or why the rock star refused to say his name properly. But uh, the younger, hipper producer of the show explained that Fred was captain of the Yellow Submarine, and that yeah. uh, uh, it was a term of endearment, or, or John was trying to be funny. And uh, Noah was embarrassed that the joke went over his head, but told the story in good humor many times over the course of his life. And I found a video of 90-something-year-old Captain Noah uh, telling this story uh, uh, from just before he died, I guess. Captain Noah never did mushrooms and went to see Yellow Submarine. <laughs> you're telling me. <laughs> Not yet at that point. Yeah. No, Mrs. Noah did. Mrs. Captain Noah oh, did. Oh, yeah. Mrs. Noah. <laughs> she traveled with the Grateful Dead for several years. That's why she's oh, on yeah. every episode of the show, yeah. <laughs> uh. Check out our Captain Noah episode for more about the swinging Noahs. What's... The swinging Noahs, yep. Literally. Uh, before John Lennon signed off from WFIL at the end of his third day, uh, he was asked about the potential of a Beatles reunion and what he truly felt about his longtime collaborator, Paul McCartney. Quote, uh, he just called me from Rye, England, the other day where he's working on a new album. I love him and I miss him, end quote. Oh, yeah, they were, they were, they were friendly again at this point. This was after they like all suit each other and shit. This is when they were vibing. 
So, so he only had nice things to say. He did talk about how being a Beatle kind of, he's very, he's very, uh, he like walked the line. He was like, I'm very fortunate to have been a Beatle. It's, it's, it's nice to have enjoyed that level of fame and have those experiences that no one else has ever had. But it, it, he lamented that it prevented him from living life, maybe the, the kind of life that he wanted to lead now. He was feeling very confined by this mega celebrity. And, you know, Trove and I, we've talked about this a lot, uh, you know, over the years, but in in the in the 50s and 60s those are the first celebrities those are the international celebrities it's the first time you could be a celebrity without being a king or a world leader or something like like why do people all over the world know your name i play the guitar really well you know it's it's a completely different you know mind fuck uh, than ever than ever existed before in the world and uh you know john lennon and elvis and these guys are like the first people to go through it and uh so I don't think any of them had any idea of what to expect when they were teenagers and they first started performing and getting famous. And then, you know, you're a middle-aged person and you're like, I can't even take my, my kid to the fucking park without getting mobbed by people. It's like, mm -hmm. and of course now we go, yeah, how could you ever expect, you're, you were mega famous. How could you ever expect to live a normal life? But I ha they had no clue back then. They had no clue when they started. There was nothing to base it off of. Yeah, it sounds awful. According to Larry Kane, John Lennon really enjoyed his three days in Philadelphia. Free from the Beatles, Yoko, and his bodyguards, he hung out with locals and met over 3,000 people individually, something he, he rarely got. He went to cheerleaders. He went to cheerleaders. <laughs> <laughs> they retired the stool he sat on. It's, uh, it's behind some velvet ropes over there. <laughs> Daydreams he went to. He shut down Risque. They had to kick him out. Yeah. Too handsy. Too <laughs> <laughs> the only rule. So John got to hang out in Philadelphia. He, he felt like uh, very normal while, while, while hanging out here. He met over 3,000 people individually, something he rarely got to do while performing music. Uh, all told, Helping Hands uh, raised $110,000 that weekend, uh, mostly Damn. off of the, the celebrity of John Lennon. Thank you, John. The city thanks you. Fine, I'll, I'll look up how much that was back then. I know everybody's dying to know. We're dying to know. Uh, Helping Hands was a, an umbrella charity that would uh, take this money and then disseminate it among uh, smaller organizations that were uh, helping children with special needs. I guess they don't exist anymore. How much is it? $110,000. Wow. Don't that attitude. You know you're on the edge of your seat right now. I was, I'm on the edge. I'm... Thank you, John Lennon. It's worth $587,833.46. Wow, the equivalent of half a million dollars. That's uh, yeah, dude, pretty that's, great. That's, that's not nothing. No, for a radio promotion, that's huge. I mean, who else was... <laughs> they had John... Who, who was... Obviously, John Lennon was the biggest name they had for this marathon. That's why we're talking about him. But, like, who else was coming in and doing spots? You know, like, the, 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 most of this money was raised off of the fact that John Lennon was in town. That he was working the door, you know, he's he's out there auctioning off his socks. They had Phil and Phyllis, and nobody cared about that. Nobody, nobody cared about it. <laughs> nobody cared. The fanatic was too big for the event. <laughs> well, he was. He was. This is pre-fanatic. Yeah, it's pre-fanatic. BP, no, they call it. You're right. You're right. Um, is there anything you guys want to add about John Lennon? About John Lennon in Philadelphia? About John Lennon the man? This was an interesting uh, time period of uh, his music. He was making, uh, he did uh, Whatever Gets You Through the Night, which you referenced, uh, which was like almost like a disco song, kind of. Mm -hmm. Elton John's on piano. That was around this time. 
Klaus Vorman on bass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a very interesting uh, time. And then a- after this, like right after this, he kind of got back together with Yoko, and then they kind of was out of the public eye for for years. He just became a he just had a kid and did that. He was like a stay at home dad for years. He kind of. Yeah, I looked it up. His last live performance was in April uh, of 75, and then this was May 75. So this was, I mean, yeah. I'm sure he did other events and things, but his last musical performance was uh, just before he came down and did this radio station charity event. Yeah, and uh, he seemed to, by all accounts, like mellow out and find some amount of peace in his last years. He was just, just hanging out with his kid and just... Take him to the park, not not dealing with all this bullshit. All the politics and the entertainment business and endlessly touring, things that make selling it Selling your to, own hair. Selling your own hair. Selling my socks, man. Selling can't your even, socks. I, I can't even wear socks. But yeah, this was uh, really cool that he was like around. Yeah, this was interesting. I didn't really... I knew that he did the Mike Douglas show. I didn't know anything, any of this stuff about the charity event, the marathon thing, uh, the radio marathon fundraiser. So I, I, that's really cool. That's news to me. But uh, um, if you want to be anxious and informed, check out the week that John Lennon and Yoko Ono hosted the Mike Douglas show. It's, uh, <laughs> it's worth your time. Uh, okay, that's pretty much all there is to know about John Lennon in Philadelphia. Please check out our website, www.southphilly.com. That's S-O-U-T-H-F-E-L-L-I-N-I.com for cool Philly-inspired merch. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at South Fellini everywhere. Follow along and join in the conversation. We want to hear from you. Did you sign that giant canvas at the Mike Douglas show? Did you? Are you the owner of John Lennon's socks? Did you buy any other article of clothing off of him while he was in town? Uh, let us know in the comments section. Look out for new episodes of the podcast every Monday. Stay safe, wash your hands, wear a mask, eat your vegetables, exercise daily. That's what it takes to be an adult, man. Brush your teeth and don't forget to floss. Goodbye. Don't tell me what to do. I'm not brushing my teeth. <laughs> <laughs>